It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? We decided to absolutely crash your Sunday with some big monster news. More monster news because it's been a week of big-time news. Matt Milano resigns on Thursday. Daryl Williams resigns on Friday. And now, as you heard from Syracuse.com, getting in the breaking news business here, John Feliciano, three years, $17 million. He will be back with the Buffalo Bills through the 2023 season. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by my, my main man, Ryan Talbot. And boy, we got to break this thing down, Ryan. I don't think anybody, anybody with a straight face would have said Monday, Brandon Bean will re-sign Milano, Williams, and Feliciano. But it's done heading into free agency tampering period starting tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely insane to re-sign all three of your your key free agents, your top three. So fantastic job by Brendan Bean before the start of the legal tampering window, especially because during that time, you know, players might be blown away with an offer. And then all of a sudden the Bills could have lost one of these players. So Buffalo's GM clearly knows what it's doing. And nothing better than on a Sunday, a Matt Perino bomb just coming out of nowhere. <laughs> Perino off the top rope, whatever you want to call it. Love the breaking news. Glad to see that uh, the Bills are pretty much running it back when it comes to their key free agents. Let's start with what it means that he's back in the mix. Because, you know, I went on Nate Geary's show on WGR 550, obviously friend of the program. We have him on uh, quite a bit here uh, over the course of the season and offseason. And, and we were just talking about, you know, the, the potential of Feliciano coming back. And I think, you know, as late as Saturday when I talked to him, it, it, it didn't look great. I mean, th just the sheer numbers of it, the money that was spent, we know that it's going to be an $8 million cap hit for Matt Milano this year. Still kind of working through what the numbers are going to look like for Darrell Williams. He signed at about $9.2 per season, but that cap hit this year. Uh, is that out yet, actually? Did somebody report that? The cap uh, I'm not Darryl sure. If, I don't know if there was an, a complete breakdown necessarily. Gotcha. So keep keep an eye out for that. Uh, but now uh, Feliciano, three years, $17 million. Uh, coming in, uh, you know, a little bit more than the Quentin Spain deal, which I think that is obviously very, you know, team friendly because of the versatility that John Feliciano that, you know, who has proven to be an everyday, every game starter at this point in his career um, to come back on that kind of deal and to be able to fit all of this into the equation, I think is huge. But what I was talking about with Nate about what the Bills potentially could lose if John Feliciano wasn't brought back into the mix and sure, could you find another person to play guard or, you know, Ryan Bates can play tackle and center. You could, you could have a backup center. Sure. Of course. But everybody that you talk to in that building, whether it be Bobby Johnson, Brian Dable, Josh Allen, when you talk to them about what John Feliciano has meant to this team, you know, Deion Dawkins joked around last year and was like, man, this dude is such a savage. And it, he brings that to the line. That's important. 
This has got to be the most nasty unit on your football team. You have to win at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's one of the big reasons why this Bills offense, despite being without John Brown in the second half of the season, were able to maintain a level of play and continue to ascend. And were there issues? Sure. Of course there were issues. But let's not forget, John Feliciano suffered two injuries back-to-back. He had the um, the injury that he, he uh, rehabbed all offseason, uh, the shoulder injury, and then he tore a peck in training camp, uh, right before training camp. This dude was dealing with a lot. Coming back, he played nine games, and I don't think he'd probably tell you that it was never exactly what he wanted it to be, but I think over those, you know, 12 games this season, six, 17 last year, he's proven to be a vital part of what they want to do. And I think that shows by the fact that they were willing to spend to bring him back along with Williams and Milano. Yeah, and you mentioned a lot of it already. He brings that physicality to the offensive line. He's the one that was clapping every time the Bills actually ran the ball because he wanted to see them run more. He brings the juice, so to speak. He has a great relationship with Josh Allen. That's huge. When when he suffered this second injury, it was Josh Allen in a video taking care of him shortly thereafter. Uh, I, I can go on and on. How about the versatility, which you mentioned, the ability to seamlessly move from guard to center. As much as I like Mitch Morse, as great as I think he is, he's missed some time uh, early here in his Bills tenure. Obviously, in his first year here, it was in the offseason he suffered that concussion. Uh, but last year, he missed some time, and Feliciano was able to move along right into that spot no drop off, a significant drop off in play. So there's so many reasons to bring a player like this back. Someone that bought in, someone that knows the system, someone that has played under Bobby Johnson even before coming to Buffalo. It's good for the locker room. It's good for the team chemistry. It just makes too much sense. Great question in the comments on YouTube, Rosie0216. Do you feel the Bills are just running it back? How is the team going to improve further? And that's, you know, that's an interesting part of the conversation here. I, I think let's let's start with the the offensive line because let's call it what it is. The most important thing this offseason, like it has been the last two, three offseasons, is making sure that Josh Allen is insulated. Josh Allen is protected. That the Bills put him in the best situation to be successful. And having reliable depth on that offensive line is important. And sure, could you have, you know, we were talking about it all um, the la the last week. Could you go into next season with, you know, maybe trying to re-sign an Ike Bucker and obviously the expectation you have for Cody Ford after they signed Daryl Williams, that basically shows you that, they, that they're going to roll with the idea that Cody Ford is going to be a guard long-term here. Um, but you have to have options in this league, Ryan. We've seen it. You mentioned Mitch Morse. You've you mentioned like the injuries that have happened on this offensive line. You know, Daryl Williams, what happens if he goes down next, 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 next year and you don't bring back a John Feliciano and you have a Ryan Bates and a Cody Ford, and maybe you've got to flip Cody Ford back outside or maybe try Bates. It's a gamble. And I think that what you do here by bringing back Feliciano and Williams is you, you don't gamble as much and you bank on the fact that or rely on the fact that your coaching staff can continue to develop a lot of the talent that I think you're relying on from these past couple of drafts. Yeah, absolutely. And to answer Rosie's question, I, I can't understate the importance of continuity. You're bringing back the, this offensive line that you believe in, and obviously Cody Ford likely to play at that left guard spot, uh, which he, he obviously missed a lot of time with an injury this year. But having your key starters back and not just there, even on the defensive line with the restructure or the cat, you know, the, the 
uh, Cap Hit or, or lowering for Mario Addison and Vernon Butler, those guys wanting to come back. I know that side of the ball is a little underwhelming, but now it's going to be year two. They're going to have a true offseason. Continuity on both sides of the ball is important. So it's not just running it back. You get better by bringing back the same pieces. It's why the secondary, year in, year out, has played well because you've had Hyde, you've had Poyer, you've had Trey White, and it hasn't really mattered who's been that cornerback number two because you have that continuity of that base. At linebacker, you have Edmonds, you have Milano, you have the continuity there. So you're going to have the same on offense with most of your key pieces back there, obviously minus John Brown. This is a good thing. They can still be active in free agency, obviously not going get, uh, for any of those premier guys, most likely based on the cap space, but bills the Bills can still make moves internally to free up cap space. You can get some guys to one-year deals to kind of bolster up that depth, that talent. And you kind of said, you know, how can they beat the Chiefs? Well, a team like the Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to go into next season with new left tackle, new right tackle. They let them both go because of injuries, because of everything else. Who's to say that whoever they bring in is going to be better than what they had? They might make a big signing with that money that Patrick Mahomes freed up, but that doesn't mean that that replacement is going to be better than what they had. So every team around the league is going to be scrambling this offseason to improve their roster uh, based on the new salary cap and things like that, unless you're one of those bottom-tier rosters like Jacksonville, uh, I know New England has a lot of money, but they still don't really, they have a lot of holes on that roster. The Bills are on the same boat as every other team, but continuity is the key, and they're going to have that continuity on both sides of the ball. One thing to, that's really important that we, we've been highlighting, you know, over the last couple of weeks, but I think that as we move forward in free agency, it's going to become even more clear as we've seen, you know, some little reports trickle out the last couple of days. A lot of good players are going to be looking for low money one year deals because they want to enter free agency again next year. So you think about that. If you're Brandon Bean sitting back and be like, okay, I know I want these players that we're familiar with back in the mix long term. Well, maybe some of the, uh, you know, the idea of bringing in a player for a one-year situation like a Carlos Dunlap or a Xavier Rhodes who, you know, we mentioned several times, you might have more of a chance to get something like that done in this offseason where players are kind of going into next week knowing, hey, there's probably not going to be a huge market. I might have, I'm, I'm reserved to the fact that I'm probably going to get less than I thought I was going to get. I mean, we see that crazy stuff going on all over the league, Ryan. I mean, even today, earlier today, Shaq Lawson, one year, not even one year after mm. signing uh, with the Miami Dolphins, they trade him to get a little cap relief and some more cap flexibility, I believe, if they want it. I believe they can move on uh, from McKinney if they want to this year or next year. Shaq Lawson had a little bit more dead money, especially this season. Teams are, are – are, they already moved on from Kyle Van Noy, who, you know, was one of the top free agent signings last year. So teams are, like, trying to get under, and even the teams that end up getting under by tomorrow, the collection of teams that have money to spend, real money to spend to go after top-tier free agents, it's a very small bucket. And if you're a top free agent and you're sitting there, I want to win, I want to go to a decent team, well – most of those teams don't have those dollars anyway. So you're going to see, I think, an eye-popping amount of talented players wind up with you know, teams that can offer a chance to win and give them that one-year window. I'm so glad you said that. Look back at the Dolphins offseason. They were the, the biggest spenders last year, and looking back on it, it was a pretty much a disaster. 
Van Noy, gone. Check Lawson, traded. Jordan Howard, gone. Matt Breida, most likely gone. They spent all this money and there's not much to show for it. So there's something to be said about Brendan Bean re-signing his own players, knowing what you have in those players, knowing how they fit rather than going out and taking a risk on someone that you think, okay, well, maybe they can come in and, and play that same type of role. They could be better. You don't know. You're just kind of throwing money out there and hoping for good results, but you know what you have in these three players, especially in the re most recent signing, Feliciano, who's been here for a few seasons. You know how this offensive line has performed. Uh, you, you know this offense is very pass-happy, and he's good in that role. So it just makes sense to bring back players like this rather than go out, try to spend that big money, and hope for results. Now, when it comes to signing these players to one-year deals, it's little risk, high reward. The Bills could find that wide receiver component, that edge rusher component, uh, maybe another guard, maybe a cornerback number two. They are going to have options. They're probably going to sit back early in free agency and let some of these teams with a high, you know, the, the Jets, the Jaguars, the, the Patriots uh, among them kind of spend that crazy money on a, a few players here and there. But Brendan Bean's going to pounce when the time is right, and he's going to bring in players that he thinks could help help this team take that next step from AFC Championship game to let's go to the Super Bowl. One more thing I want to bring up right now, and I would have loved to have brought him on, um, you know, real quick. Shout out to Greg Tomset, who literally called on the money the um, the Daryl Williams deal. Uh, he predicted it back in early February. It was like, you know, to the point where he was, he predicted the uh, the first year, you know, cap hit or the first year number. I forget the the exact um, language of the prediction on his show. Uh, but we had him on during the free agency uh, money preview that we did, and and he's always on the money. I would have loved to have him come on here and really give you an idea of uh, a tweet that he had. I'm trying to find it real quick. I don't know if you saw it, Ryan, where he played with the SpotTrack.com. I know exactly um, what you're talking about. Yeah, sal the salary cap um, uh, machine that he has over on the website, and basically highlighted a bunch of different moves that the Bills still could make to to free up, you know, cap room. And you know, you start with a guy like Jerry Hughes. I know that Mike Janetti from Track wasn't, you know, a huge fan of a move like that because of you know what it might mean or what it might indicate. But I think if you still believe in Jerry Hughes and you think you got two more two more years left and you, and you know, you want him for 21 and you want him for 22. Maybe you give him a one year extension, push some of that money off, give him a signing bonus this year, freeze up a little bit, a bit of money, give Stefan Diggs a, 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 an extension and a, and a raise, you know, right now, I believe it was Greg that wrote or, or, or my, maybe I heard him on a podcast say that he's the 16th highest uh, receiver paid in the league right now. That's that's got to change. I mean, he put, he had the best statistical season of every, any wide receiver last year, so you probably want to give him a pay raise as well. And it all doesn't have to happen Monday or Tuesday, Ryan. That's, I think, the biggest point that fans have to understand. I think the teams that end up winning during the tampering period and on the first day of free agency, I don't think you want to be in that bucket. I think you want to be in that shrewd secondary market where maybe some higher-end players are waiting to kind of see what the – the, the forecast looks like before they sign on the dotted line. And by then you can kind of tinker around with some things and, and make some moves and maybe free up some more space to bring in a real impact one or two. And I think at this point with what they've done on the offensive line, you know, you're probably looking at edge rusher, cornerback and tight end as those positions where you really want to see them make one more addition. 
Um, I'm a big fan of, of Dane Jackson. We've talked about this, right? Over the yeah. course of the season, what we saw him do. But I do think it's a little bit nerve-wracking going into next season, even if you bring back Levi Wallace, um, to put the expectations on him for him to be the guy. No competition, no doubt about it. Um, I think that that's a little little bit worrisome, but I think that that position's pretty good. I think edge rusher and tight end is probably where I have my most concerns as we sit here before tomorrow entering free agency. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, and I did find Greg's tweet. So releasing Lee Smith, I think that's something that is, is going to happen one way or the other. Lee Smith has been talking about retirement. He talked about team-friendly extensions for Jerry Hughes and Tyler Matakevich. Matakevich is another guy that you could release and save a little over $3 million if you wanted to go the other route with that. Signing Diggs to an extension where you can move some of that salary cap around and lower his cap hit for this season. You could extend someone like a Cole Beasley. That was not in, in Greg's uh, tweet here, but you could do that same thing with Cole Beasley. You're all pro receiver, someone that's coming off of, of his best year. Uh, reward him, lower his cap hit. He mentions restructuring Deion Dawkins and Trey White as well, and freeing up almost uh, over $30 million in cap space. Now, will the Bills do all those moves? No, absolutely not. But could they do some of them? Yes. And when it comes to restructuring your Deion Dawkins, your Trey White, those are guys that you feel comfortable with knowing, hey, they're going to be here long term. They're going to play out their contract. So we don't worry about moving some money around. We believe in them as our number one cornerback and our star left tackle. They will play out the contract. It's not something like we're gonna we're throwing money away down the road. They're going to be here long term. Indeed. Matt Perino, Ryan Talbot live uh, with you on this Sunday evening. Big news. If you're just joining us, John Feliciano is back in a Buffalo Bills uniform for the next three seasons. Um, and I see a comment here about not sold on Mongo. I want to get into that a little bit in terms of his play. Uh, three years, $17 million. And if you you look back, um, you know, last offseason, Quentin Spain signed back for three years at $15 million. And, you know, obviously we know what transpired with him over the course of this last season. That didn't necessarily work out. But I think this is a very team-friendly deal. Feliciano's uh, market value by evaluate, evaluated by SpotTrack.com was about – Eight million dollars. The Bills are getting them back uh, for about a little bit less than six. So that's, I mean, wow, Ryan. I mean, that's a that's that's a huge coup for Brandon Bean. But let's let's dive into John Feliciano's play a little bit. Um, and I, I think that he kind of gets a, a a little bit of a, a bad rap. I don't know if it's you know you know some guys that really dive into the tape have noted noted some of the inconsistencies of his play. I think there were times in the playoffs where maybe he missed a block in the passing game. He did tweet out that he had played 12 games this year, didn't give up a single sack. And if you go over to pro football focus for whatever you think that's worth, he's the bills top rated run defense or run blocker on the roster. That's a big deal for a team that wants to improve in the run game in 2021, not necessarily run more, but run better you want to keep the run blockers that are good around. And I think that part of the reason he's so good at that, he's a nasty kind of guy. He likes getting physical. I mean, it, it's, you know, especially on the interior, you know, you kind of set the tone in the run game when you're able to kind of uh, unload on players. We all know John Feliciano's MMA, uh, passion for MMA. So I, I, I think that a couple contributing factors that go into this thing is, first of all, you know, the moving around parts, um, you know, I, I think that to go from, guard then to center get comfortable there and then have to go back to guard you know and, and then he played there for the rest of the year I think it's just a, you know a little bit of musical chairs he played on the left side and the right side um and so I'm 
I'm will I'm willing to bet that this deal looks a looks a lot similar to a lot of other deals that Beanie has made over the course of his his time in Buffalo. It's probably one that you can get out of down the line if you need to structured it probably properly, and he brings back at least uh, a level of dependability that I think is so important when your team is literally built around the quarterback. Yeah, and you know the one argument that drives me nuts is he, he struggled against the Chiefs. Guys, it was Chris Jones. Most players struggle against Chris Jones. Yeah. Most players struggle against guys like Aaron Donald. Expecting them to shut those players out on a game by game basis is not going to happen. They're going to make plays. They're going to they're superstar defenders. They're they're guys on the inside that could be in the race for defensive player of the year year in year out. It happens. But you mentioned it. John Feliciano is is arguably their best run blocker. They want to improve in that area. Getting rid of him does not help you improve in that area. He was fired up when they ran the ball. He's the one that was getting to that second level, clapping the hands, finishing those blocks. He came off of a serious injury. Uh, And I know a lot of players didn't have a true offseason last year with COVID and everything else, but I think it'll come back even better this year, uh, you know, as long as he's healthy. So there's... I think it's it's a great move for $6 million getting someone that can play guard and center. Hopefully you can settle him in at that guard position. Mitch Morris plays a full 16 games. You get Cody Ford at the other guard spot, and then he doesn't have to move, and then he can really focus on that one spot. But I, I don't know where the complaints would come from. You're getting this guy at a bargain. You're helping a team that made it all the way to the AFC Championship. This is not a team that went 6-10 and 10 and brought back everyone back. This is a team that won 13 games in the regular season, made it all the way to the AFC Championship game, and then had a pretty bad game plan in that game. If they could go back and re, you know, and change that, I'm sure they would. But let's not act like this was a bad team bringing back its key pieces. This was a great team, one of the NFL's best teams, and they brought back their top three free agents. Yeah, and I, I know Bills fans loved during the season all of those videos that went viral on social media of the dance parties on the, the Bills practice field. And, you know, a big reason why that happens is because of, you know, of course, the culture that's been built by, you know, the front office and the coaching staff, but also the, you know, caliber of guys that are in that room. And anybody you talk to, to our earlier point, would would tell you that, now, they love John Feliciano. He's a guy that really, um, you know, I think it's just, it, he's a guy that keeps things light. He's easy to talk to. He knows when to get serious. He knows when to have fun. And obviously there's other guys in this room that have made such an impact. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley. I mean, there's a lot of veteran kind of guys, but you know, you want a guy like John Feliciano. I mean, everybody goes, you know, Mitch Morris has that line where he says, if I'm go, if I was going into a bar, bar fight, I, I'd bring Josh Allen with me. Well, I guarantee you, and, and Ariel Hawani was asking us this question when we were doing the, the podcast with him, when we were talking about who would be the, you know, the fight, or we asked him who would be the fighters on this, on this roster. And the first guy you talk about is John Feliciano. Everybody's taking John Feliciano into a bar fight with him. And, and I think that that mentally speaking, that would have been a big loss to not have that presence there next year going into the season. It's always nice to have those kind of guys. Yep. I mean, you're nailing it right on the head. Those are the guys that you want on this team. The guys that will fight for your quarterback that when your quarterback takes a shot, he's going to be there one to help Josh get up, but then he's going to get in the guy's face as well. There's something to be said about that. Having someone that sticks up for your teammates. It wasn't that long ago that a guy like Rob Gronkowski hurts Trey White and what happens? Nothing. No one really gets in Gronk's face. No one really steps up for their team. That would not happen on this year's Bills team. And I'm not just, I'm using that one example. I'm not 
calling out Gronk or anything like that. But if something happens to a player, this team is going to step up. And a guy like Feliciano on the offense side of the ball is going to be the first person that's going to get in your face and let you know that you did something wrong. Um, Steve Rose asked, being talked up uh, Cody Ford at the press conference, perhaps he may try and trade him for a pick. Uh, maybe Ford has a higher ceiling at guard and will improve, thinking they'll still draft a guard. You know, where are you at? Start us off there, Ryan. Where, where are you at with Cody Ford entering year three? We've talked a little bit about this on some re- previous podcasts, but I mean, I'm not even anywhere close to kind of give up on that Cody Ford development project. I mean, we're year three and he's still yet to go into a season and play multiple games at the late, at the same position where he's the guy at that position for a whole game. No. uh, Yeah. I I just don't think one that they're there. They're anywhere at that point with Cody Ford. And, you know, Steve, uh, to answer your question, what are you going to get back if you trade Cody Ford? You're not going to get back the second round pick that you used to uh, acquire him. You're talking to probably a late day three pick because there's not a lot of tape on him. Someone's going to uh, would trade for him because maybe they liked him coming out of college, but, but there's not enough film out there to say this guy could be elite. Now the bills though, when they drafted him, they felt like he was going to be a good fit for this team, a good fit for this system. And Brendan Bean, I don't think he was just talking him up. I think they really feel that way about this guy. So they're going to give him every opportunity to win that left guard spot. Uh, because I think Feliciano locks down the right guard spot. You obviously have uh, your other players now locked in as well. So I, I think he's played his best football at left guard when he's been on the field. Whether, you know, He's played at different spots, mind you. He can go into this season saying, I am locked in at left guard, which I think is huge for any player to know. I don't have to worry about moving around. That's why the Bills were able to get Daryl Williams to last year at such a reasonable rate. The guy was moved to four different spots in his last year in Carolina, struggled, which is to be expected, and the Bills were, were the beneficiary of that. Cody Ford can go into year three saying, I am focused on playing left guard. I am focused on getting through this year healthy, as healthy as I can. But he can truly just kind of settle in and focus knowing his absolute 100%. That is my role for 2021. Look at this. Uh, just a couple social media updates here. If you are, uh, if you're listening to the podcast after the fact, sorry, you won't be able to see this. Uh, but uh, John Feliciano tweeted out, do work son, Bill's mafia three more years. Uh, a pretty entertaining picture <laughs> to be honest with you. Love Photoshop. Uh, Josh Allen has retweeted it. Uh, as has a few other players. And then I just saw uh, Lee Smith uh, had a tweet here. Let me see if I can bring that up. Um, basically saying, you know, so glad to see Daryl Williams and, and John Feliciano, Feliciano back to protect Josh Allen. Uh, some people having fun with it. And, you know, I think this is a, you know, it's a cool time for Bills fans, Ryan, because, you know, there's not, there hasn't been many opportunities over the period of the drought and even going back to you know, 96, the last division title where, you know, a regime could draft a cycle of players, a four-year cycle of players, and then start to bring them back and re-sign them and have them want to stay. You know, first and foremost, these guys got to want to stay. And, you know, after Levante David signed, Matt Milano elevated to arguably the top linebacker on the market. And who's to say, I know that, you know, reports are out there that maybe the, you know, the market wasn't as fruitful as maybe they initially thought, but then you go and talk to Matt Milano and you can hear in his voice, you know, hearing him talk about, you know, wanting to stay in Buffalo, finish what they started that, you know, Buffalo is his kind of city and, and all these kinds of things. And, 
you know, the impact that it's obviously had on Daryl Williams. And we also, we all know about the, the bond between John Feliciano and Bill's mafia. This is, this is a really cool moment to be a Bills fan because not only are the, is the team successful on the field, but the success they're having off the field, I think says a lot about the success of the build and the regime that's in place. Yeah. Resigning your own, the, your own players wanting to come back before even testing the market, having key players that were on the, you know, the cut line, so to speak, they, they could have been cut, but going to the bills and, and taking the pay cut, uh, again, your, your Mitch Morris, which I think, I don't think he would have been cut. I think he just went to the team and was willing to kind of play ball. Uh, Mario Addison, who definitely was at risk, in my opinion, of being cut. Vernon Butler. It, it says a lot about the culture. It says a lot about what the players feel about Buffalo, the, the team, the city, the, the chance to play for a championship in these next few years. So, you know, th- this is an exciting time to be a Bills fan. The, the Bills Mafia should be thrilled uh, knowing that going into the legal tampering window starting tomorrow, your top three guys are locked down. There still could be some more returns. And you're still going to also fill in some key holes here in the second, third wave of free agency and in the draft, which, you know, uh, the Bills are picking pretty late each round, but you can still find some talented guys at the end of round one, round two, so on and so forth. Yeah, and to your point, you know, Think back to Isaiah McKenzie when they got him off the Denver Broncos uh, practice squad. Nobody was thinking that he was going to turn into a contributor that in a couple of years fans were going to cringe at the at the idea of losing him free agency. So it's always a cycle. I, you know, there's players that they've brought in. I mean, somebody that kind of people have forgot about that, you know, obviously horns up a big UB guy, but Cam, Cam Lewis in the mix that, you know, you never know where he can maybe factor in if he's given a bigger opportunity. So there's a lot of things still to come in terms of how they're going to build this roster. I saw a good question here. And if anybody has any questions, comments, drop them in here. We'll go for a few more minutes. We had a really awesome episode recently uh, where we brought the fans on to do like kind of a, a caller episode. And Ryan, a lot of people loved it. We're getting requests now. Uh, hey, next time you have a show, can we? Can you? Can I come on as a caller? So I think what we're going to do, uh, maybe towards the end of next week, if we have a show, I don't know what the schedule is going to be next week because we're doing so many reaction pods. We might have not have the traditional Wednesday show, but if we do, or if we move it back to Thursday or Friday, I think we're going to incorporate uh, a lot more uh, callers in that. Uh, so if you want to call uh, or or come on the show and ask a question, uh, hit me up on uh, Twitter. Or, or, or email me, whichever way you're more familiar, at Matt Perino or mperino at nyup.com, and we'll get you in the in the mix here. Uh, but there was a good question here I wanted to bring up from Cam Greasy on YouTube. Does this signing change how you view the running back situation now that it looks like we'll have the same personnel on O-line? That is a great question. Uh, you know, I, I think they went into the end of last year saying that there were a lot of issues and it went all the way around. It was offensive line. It was the running backs missing some holes and some assignments here and there. It was the fact that uh, I felt that Devin Singletary was a little tentative at times, that Zach Moss maybe missed a, a lane that he was supposed to run through. But those are young backs. Uh, so Singletary wasn't that long ago. I've said he he tied for the league lead in yards per carry. Zach Moss flashed at times. It doesn't change the way I feel about this personnel. I still think Antonio Williams has high upside. But as the Bills keep addressing these holes, the, these needs, and resigning their own, it does open the door for our friend Marcel to get pretty excited about the possibility <laughs> of Travis Etienne at number 30. Uh, a player like that is a playmaker. He's a game changer with the ball in his hands. It's not just a traditional back. So 
the more the Bills do in terms of signing their own, addressing these needs, heading into the draft, the more likely it is that an ETN could be the best player available at number 30, and the Bills could take a swing on someone like that and say, this is one of those missing playmakers that we didn't have in the AFC Championship game. Someone who obviously is dynamic with the ball in his hands as a runner, but also improves significantly as a uh, receiver in his final two years at Clemson. Someone that Stefan Diggs really likes as he compared him mm. to Elvin Kamara. So, you know, they could still address it, which then puts them in a difficult spot at bind because some weeks your, your day two pick from either last year or two years ago could be inactive depending on how things work out. But, you know, they're not in the feelings business. They're in the football business, and they're going to do what's best for this team. Um, I was just looking at, you know, cause the, the running back situation, uh, or, or the, um, polarization of the conversation, I think is always so interesting because I know fans want, you know, you, you're looking at the offense and where can I plug in like a blue chip player? You know, you got Josh Allen, you have, uh, Stefan Diggs on the outside. You have Cole Beasley in the slot. You have Deion Dawkins at left tackle. You have a lot of blue chippers right all over the place. Big money guys. The next place you probably look is running back before you probably look at tight end because you know you want to you want a, a game changer a playmaker. But what I think this this week has done for the Bills is now it allows them to truly go into April and this draft and as they've already been doing and preparing for the last couple of months, but truly go in and draft the best player available. I think that depending on who falls, if no running backs go before thirty and Travis Etienne is just absolutely standing out in your board and it offers that speed that versatility that you know swiss army knife you could kind of do unbelievable amounts of things with yeah pull the trigger on it i'm not against that if you really think that that's going to be something that takes your offense to the next level i never argue against that what if a gregory rousseau who i think most people were saying is the top edge rusher in this draft from michigan you know, you're starting to see mock drafts all of a sudden flip and his his stock's kind of going down a little bit for whatever reason. I'm not sure. I don't, I, I don't think the Michigan Pro Day has happened yet. Probably skyrockets back up if you test well. But, you know, those are the kinds of things we'll watch over the next two months. And I know Brandon Bean said it and you could always, you know, uh, give it lip service and it's cliche, but we have to draft well and we have to draft, develop, and then we'll try to resign. And it's important. But this year, more than ever, because of the lack of funds, like you got to zero in and see who can I take maybe at 30 or wherever else in the draft you could take that's going to come in here and contribute right away. And I'd love to kind of drill in a little deeper with, with, with Brandon and talk to him more about Gabriel Davis and Dane Jackson specifically about how much last year when he sent that name in virtually to the virtual podium, did he think that those guys were going to have the kind of year one impact that they did? And I know Dane Jackson only who we played a couple games, but when he was on the field, big time plays, takeaways as a as a CB two are huge. A big play against the top receiver in the league, like DeAndre Hopkins, those are huge plays. And so they need more of those kind of guys to kind of come in here and make a contribution in twenty twenty one. Yeah, and pick number thirty, whoever it is, has to be on the field early and often for this team. Uh, you said it; cap space is is limited right now. We obviously don't know the specific details of. Uh, John Feliciano's deal for this year and Daryl Williams and then what cap space is left and what the bills are still going to do, but they're not going to be able to address everything necessarily in free agency. So whoever comes in at number 30 has to play and play a lot to make that pick worthwhile. Players that you get on day two have to be instant contributors. So maybe that is where you get in another edge rusher for your rotation or cornerback number two 
uh, or running back wide receiver has been mentioned here in the chat a lot. Yeah. You, you know, if one of those premier wide receivers falls to number 30, which absolutely could happen, pull the trigger, especially if they have speed, uh, a Tony, a Bateman. And I'm not saying either of those guys specifically would fall, but if they did, absolutely. If that's the best player available, that's the way Brendan Bean's going to go. But at pick 30, he also has to make sure that it's someone that's going to play. We've seen time and time again where he meets with the meeting. He says, yeah, this guy was standing out on our board pretty significantly. I mean, it happened last year later in the draft with Jake Fromm. They said he was well above our other guys on that board. That's why we took him when we did. They didn't necessarily need a backup quarterback or a potential backup quarterback at that point. But if, if someone stands out on their board, whether it's at first round, fifth round, or seventh round, they're going to go and attack and, and get that guy. Great stuff, as always, uh, from Mr. Ryan Talbot. Some great stuff in the comments. Guys, this is just the beginning. We are going to probably come at you more than you probably even want over the course <laughs> of the next week because, you know, as this thing goes along, as we're, I also want to do maybe a, an AFC East show as we really start to move in. Maybe I'll reach out to some of our guys uh, on the beats in, in, in Miami, New England, and New York just to kind of get an update on what things are going like over there. And, you know, maybe that's another vantage point that I think Bills fans are going to take this week looking in free agency is maybe not so much what the Bills are doing after some big moves here already, but what are some of the top competitors doing around the league? I think the big I, the big thing for me is what are they going to put around Cam Newton in New England? Because if they if they land a Kenny Galladay, if they land a Jonu Smith, then things become interesting there. And, and listen, I'm not sitting here saying that that puts them above the Bills. Honestly, the only move that I think can happen this offseason – that would put one of the three teams ahead of the Bills for me, potentially. And I still don't know if that would be the case. I, As a matter of fact, no. Let me stop there. It wouldn't be the case. But the only one I would actually think about and consider is a Deshaun Watson trade to Miami. Per, or, or New England, I guess. Or, or New, well, not New York. But you get my point. So, I think going into next year, no matter what happens over the course of the next month and a half, the Bills are still the odds-on favorite to win the AFC East, especially coming off of what they did last year. But things will be interesting to see what kind of little parts are moved around or what big parts. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, the Dolphins had a really good year, but we saw that they wasted a lot of money. But they could add a few key pieces that help them close the gap. The Jets are probably still a year or two away, but they have some money to play with. And you mentioned it already with, with the Patriots. Although I will say Cam Newton's deal, I, I believe like the whole the base sale and everything else is kind of like a placeholder where right. if they find something better, they might not even have him on the roster. It looked good when they, when you first heard one year fourteen million, like that's their guy. But it might not be. Uh, a, a lot of their defensive players are coming back that uh, had opted out last season, so they're going to see a, a, a boost in terms of their overall talent. But like you said, the Bills are still the team to beat in this division. Regardless of what happens, unless a blockbuster quarterback trade happens, then things, I guess, could really get interesting here in Buffalo. All right. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Thank you so much for all your support uh, this so far this offseason. You guys have been awesome. We're, we're growing this YouTube page like crazy, uh, which is fun. And we're always live on Facebook and Twitter and then on all the audio platforms right after. Find us on Apple. Give us a review if you would. That really helps us out as we try to grow the audio-only version of this. And then, as always, hit that subscribe button. Like this video. Uh, what what's the what's the what's the lingo, Ryan? You you say it better than me. Uh, oh, like, subscribe, review, smash, Pound, smash, smash that, that like, like button. button. There you go. Listen, this guy's still hot, flying high from St. Bonaventure. Getting the dust. You got a championship T-shirt already? This is just the regular season. I need oh, okay. no, I need the tourney though. 
All right. Okay. Listen, my UB Bulls lost last night. Look, look at him flexing, get puffing out his chest a little bit. All right. On that note, we're going to get out of here. Uh, enjoy the rest of what's left of your weekend, and we will see you very soon. Enjoy free agency week, everyone. Take care.